0: Yeah, uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, When I first met Matt, I was actually here in the city for a variety of other meetings and uh, sat down with one friend, or a new friend, and he says, you have to meet this guy named Matt. And I said, "Okay." So we met for a cup of coffee, and I said, "Uh, we should be friends. And we've been uh, in contact ever since, and Matt's helped us out a little bit too, and we're looking forward to continuing to collaborate, or at least I'll speak for myself. Continuing to collaborate more and more, and uh, i, I uh, my wife Barbara is here, and uh, she's better looking than I am. but uh, when we first met, you know it, this is a great picture for me because uh, around the world uh, for us as a church we've highlighted Amsterdam as a key city that we wanted to build some reciprocal friendships with and collaborate on a relational level as much as we can um, and uh, and that's where Matt came in to play, and and Joe. Um, But my wife and I, just like this, so we're coming from different worlds right now, my wife and I actually came from quite different worlds. Uh, My upbringing is my mom and dad got divorced when I was six months old. Uh, My dad was not around. Uh, He was kind of like a distant uncle at best. So uh, I always wanted him around, but he wasn't around when I was a child. So I grew up with a single mother and very, very poor. Uh, rough. We, in the States, we have this phrase that we say, we're, you have a white collar or a blue collar. I would say my family was dark blue collar, uh, pretty, pretty rough around the edges. To be a man in the, the Bomar side of the family meant you were in construction of some sort, you lifted weights, you boxed, and you liked the Raiders. That was like the measure of a man <laughs> in my family. And uh, Barbara came from an upper middle class conservative Christian home, So the worlds could not have been more different. So our wedding was fascinating. (laughs) Um, At our wedding, uh, we had two different totally groups of people. And so, uh, and we have on the one side, you know, the bride's section and the the groom's sections on the other. And at the reception, we were sitting there at the table and we were looking out. And on the left side was um, my family. And so you have jeans with tears in them, generally. Some people dressed up, meaning a flannel shirt tucked in, no belt. Uh, Harley Davidson's a big thing in my family. You see, we call them mullets, that's a haircut. Um, All kinds of things on this side. And then uh, you you pan over to my wife's side and women, and some were on my side a little bit, my mom, for instance, but women are dressed up in nice dresses and men are wearing suits and ties and you see things like teeth, you know, on this side. (laughs) and we we have this whole this whole dichotomy going on, and yet the beauty of that was is um, <laughs> you laugh about the teeth thing i 'm telling you um, We sat there though and thought wow isn 't this amazing? Two different groups of people entirely coming together for our union and um, that was such a cool moment as we celebrated and partied and uh, together as a family around our union together. And that's how I see this. Uh, we're coming together around our union with God through Christ. And uh, so I'm excited to be here. That's kind of what I want to talk about today, actually. And uh, as we look at this idea of uh, two different people coming together, we also come together from different geographies and different backgrounds. And I'm not sure what your dad was like or your relationship with your parents was like, but we probably come from a lot of different Backgrounds, and yet yeah, we're in one place in one time. And as the church, as we think about this, um, regardless of geography or background, I believe that God's invited all of us into some spaces to live into. And we could we could rattle on about different spaces, but I want to just walk you through five right now that I believe God's invited all of His children to walk into. Uh, I'll put them on the screen. Actually, I won't, but someone else will right about now. Yep, and uh, we have hospitality, generosity, collaboration, celebration, and community. These are just what I would, would suggest that are at least these five areas in which God has invited us to live into regardless of where you come from. So he's inviting all of us into the same spaces regardless of where we're coming from. And as we look at these spaces, I would say that as Christians, we're gonna look at them through the lens of the gospel, and so I'd say these are gospel-rooted. So when I say the word gospel, what I'm talking about is who God is and what he has done for us, okay? So it's tied to his identity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then what he has done through his Son and is continuing to do through his Spirit. So we're gonna look at these five areas through that lens And when I look at that through who God is and what he's invited me into, I'm gonna trust that as I step into these spaces, God is going to form me. In other words, um, I need some transformation. I'm, I'm being changed, and so I'm gonna step into these spaces trusting that God's going to change me as I do that. So as a Christian, I believe God is good and has my best interest in mind. So I have to believe when he's inviting me into these spaces, regardless of where I came from, what I'm going into, I have to trust, because he's good and has my best interest in mind, that that's best for me as an individual. And so if you look at these, none of these are actually focused on me, actually. Which is very contrary to I Amsterdam. I Amsterdam. You can put I in front of Portland. It's the same mentality. So if I'm trusting that the formation of my, my being is gonna be transformed by these spaces I'm gonna step into, I'm seeing obedience differently now. So if I put us at the bottom of the screen, and as I step into these spaces through believing that God is good, and who he is and what he has done is in my best interest, I'm going to be obedient and step into hospitality and offer relationship to other people outside of my current circle. That's really what hospitality is. It's a relational understanding. Generosity, I'm gonna give myself away. I'm gonna give community, not just consume it. Collaboration, I'm gonna work actually with other people for kingdom purposes. And I'll explain that in a minute. I'm gonna celebrate with other people, not just by myself in my closet or individually or through a computer screen or a a podcast. I'm actually gonna gather with other people and I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna practice Sabbath and I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna join in with the celebration of who God is and what he's done. And I'm gonna live in community. Now if you think any of these are easy, you're nuts. Because when we look at all of these things, the truth is, is I have to ask myself a question. And the question is, and I'll put it up here, what needs to die in me to be able to live into these spaces? Now the good news is, we don't like, we always wanna feel alive, we always wanna be alive, we wanna do things that make me feel alive, and then as soon as I don't feel alive, I fell out of love, right? I wanna feel, and I feel numb, so I'm always looking for stimulation. So talking about dying within does not motivate us, typically, but that's the good news. Just as Jesus died on the cross, there was new life after, right? So he rose from the grave, and so the Christian life is really about dying to self so that I can experience this thing called true life. So when I look at these spaces that God's inviting me into, That's changing obedience, because sometimes we look at these things like, this is what I have to do, but if God's good and what he's done for me is in my best interest, then I actually change the way that I see these kind of things. I actually say, hey, I need to step into this because that's the way to true life. And the good news is, is that I don't have to kill things within myself. The good news is that God is, work in my, is at work in my life, and so as I step into these spaces and live into these realities, then God's gonna kill them for me. And then I can actually, on the other side, I experience this thing called true life. And that's the beauty of the Christian story. Now, when I moved to Portland about 11 years ago, as Matt mentioned, I didn't know anybody in the city. I was all alone. I, um, went to coffee shops one day at a time, and for me, I'm pretty introverted, um, so that was a challenge. I would get in my car every day, and Matt has a similar story, but I'd get in my car every day, and I'd just say, Lord, where, where am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do, where am I supposed to go? So I, I developed this process of going to different coffee shops, which is different than coffee shops in Amsterdam, just to be clear. <laughs> um, and uh, I would go to the same coffee shops the same day of week, same time of day. And what I ended up seeing is the same people there throughout. And so over time I got to meet some people and that's how we started a church. Um, but I had this goal every day to talk to 10 people a day. And my introverted self needed to die. That was really difficult. So I started to hold the door for people just so they would say thank you. I'd be like you're welcome. I was like this one. And I would, I would go through. and. And here's the thing, I failed every day. I never made it to the number 10, not once. I counted the cashier, the barista, everybody that I had any amount of exchange with. Sometimes I would count like, oh, he looked at me, like, oh, maybe that's six, you know? (laughs) I failed every day, but here's the thing, even though I moved to the city, didn't know anybody, I always felt like I was a part of something larger than what I was doing. I didn't think like, hey, I'm bringing the gospel to the city as if it wasn't there. I felt like I was a part of something. And after being there for 11 years, I've been able to live into that reality. And I've become friends with more and more pastors and collaborating with churches in the area and, and all of that. And that's the beauty of being a Christian. You're not alone. But to step into these spaces where you're actually living into that reality, things need to die because I, Amsterdam, is actually how we all think. Uh, that's how what runs all of our lives. And that, that type of collaboration and these things all feel right, right? To collaborate with other Christians, that feels right and that's because it is right. But that's not how you think about business. Nobody would ever expect a business owner of a salon to collaborate with other business owners of salons unless it benefited them. You wouldn't expect it of contractors or, or graphic designers. You're not gonna champion other business owners. You're building your own business. We actually, it's the same is true for us too. So are you concerned about building your neighbor's retirement fund? If so, you're kind of weird. <laughs> you're not concerned about paying the college tuition of your neighbors and not even your own family members most of the time. It's very eye centric So these spaces, if you think living in community as a church is going to be easy, you have lost your mind. It's going to be very difficult, and that's why things need to die. Make sense? So as we talk about this space, the Christian is different. The Christian life is different. The expectation is is that churches should be working together, that we're all on the same team, all of those kinds of things. And that's right. And the expectation should be different because we've been given something that nobody else has. Our story is based on a larger story. Our story is rooted in a God that's always been a relationship, a community, a self-giving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our roots. And so this is why we've been invited into a space, and spaces that are not just about us individually not just about Portland, or not just about Amsterdam, and certainly not about my home, or anything. Our goal is bigger than any of our individual lives. And that's the beauty. It's not about you, that's the good news. And so when we look at this, the collaboration, this is why the idea, I wanna focus on the collaboration piece, and why relationally, I've been you know, begging Matt to be my friend is because the collaboration on a global perspective is really important, but also on a communal perspective for you and for me in our own churches. It's really, really important to talk about. This collaboration is um, based on kingdom purposes, meaning it's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. Now, when I talk about kingdom, there's a number of thoughts that might come to our mind. We come to think about the Bible, and Jesus uses these phrases all the time, like the kingdom of God is like Dot, dot, dot. Or the kingdom of God is at hand, dot, dot, dot. And I understand there's a monarchy here in, in, in England as well. In the U.S., we don't understand any sort of monarchy, king, kingdom. That language is not a part of our vocabulary in any way, shape, or form. And so it's very foreign concept to us. And maybe, um, maybe it's, it's similar in ways. But because it's such a foreign concept, we think about it wrongly. So, one of the ways that it shows in the states is we talk about building the kingdom of God. Uh, It's wrong thinking, wrong language. When you do any amount of study in the kingdom, what you see is, across the board, a consistent theme, and it's about the reign of God. The reign of God shows the way in which God's ways would be lived out and realized. And so, uh, when, when we think about this, Um, Jesus speaks about it directly tied to how God relates to us in the world and how God's reign relates to the realities in the world. This is not something you build. You don't build the reign of God. You can live into it. You can give witness to it. And you can certainly um, be be, uh, a recipient of that reality and live into it yourself. But you don't build it. Let me give you an example of this, how this is used. When Jesus says this in Mark chapter one, he says, uh, "This is Mark uh, explaining the beginning of Jesus' ministry." He says Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. Now, gospel again. If, if I asked for as many definitions uh, for all of us to give definitions of the word gospel, we'd probably have as many definitions as we have people in the room. But you're going to about to see what Jesus means by gospel. And from my understanding, this is the one spot where we see what Jesus is saying is the good news of God. This is what he says. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so when you study this, it's talking about the reign of God. And so really what Jesus is saying here is that, look, you're about to experience what it looks like for God to reign supreme in my life, and you're going to see that firsthand. This is why Jesus doesn't ask anybody to invite him into their life, because they don't live into that reality. This is why just a couple verses later, he says, now follow me. I'm going to show you what it looks like for a human being to live as if God actually reigns supreme in his life, and so follow me. And people do and they start to see this reality lived out. We see these connections of the kingdom of God or the reign of God being at hand. It's connected to uh, the gospel, the good news, of who God is and what he's done. It's connected to our repentance, so it's really personal. Repentance is not just turning away from sin, it's returning to the Father. Returning to having him reign supreme in our life. And it's connected to our belief, which is also very personal. And so the reign of God or the kingdom of God is actually very relational in nature. That's because God is a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So his reign is going to be relational. So now I have union with God and I'm going to live as though he's reigning supreme in my life. And so I'm asking different questions than most people. Uh, I'm asking questions like, what is... What is it that would show God's reign in my life as supreme in this situation? That's very different. That's a different perspective. That's a different approach to all of life. And so naturally then what this requires is is this knowledge that God's reign in our lives is real. And we can live into that kingdom reality where God is reigning supreme in a situation. This is why you celebrate justice issues. This is why we celebrate when somebody's freed from trafficking. Because if God was reigning supreme in that situation, that would not be happening. This is why we live into that space and express the kingdom reality. This is why when you're in your office or your cubicle, this is why you're asking different questions as the people of God. What would it look like for me and my engineering firm to live as though God reigns supreme in my life? What would that look like? This is why we think differently when we parent. This is why we look differently, think differently when we're talking to our neighbors as well. And so these five spaces that we're looking at are ways in which God's invited us into, and I'll narrow this down more practically in a minute But I wanna talk about the word collaboration just for a second, because in its truest sense, what you're talking about is living life, locking arms with somebody, or a group of people. And when you look up a definition of collaboration, you're actually working together to produce something, but we know we're not gonna produce the kingdom. That's God's reign, I don't build that, I live into that reality. So what are we producing? I wanna suggest to you, you produce a witness. That when we live into that reality, lock arms with other people that believe God is who he is and he's done what he says he's done and will do what he says he'll do, that we're gonna produce a witness together. It's much bigger than any of our individual lives. And I would say that as a church, we, we think about this differently. It's not I, Amsterdam, it's we, God's people. That's very different. It's a very different approach to life. And it's different for at least two reasons. Again, it's because who God is and what we reflect about him, who we are. When we think about um, who God is, um, I've said it a couple of times already, but the Christian understanding is very different than other religions. Christian understanding is that God has always been a relationship, a self-giving, loving relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father always has been giving himself eternally to the Son, and the Son giving himself in love to the Father, and the Spirit being the communicator of that love. If you look at Romans 5.5, it says the Spirit has poured the love of God into our hearts, communicating the love between the Father and the Son to us, and helping us communicate that outward. And you don't do that alone. You can't do it alone, because you're made in the image of that self-giving, loving relationship. This is why you need relationships. And this is why you'll always give yourself to something. Because you're made in the image of that God, a self-giving God. And this is why Jesus directs our love. He says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as you do yourself. In other words, look at I Amsterdam and see how you're loving yourself and turn that around and give it away. That's because that's where true life is, and that's hard, that's why things need to die. You see, the gospel turns our life upside down because God, who he is, is, is in direct opposition, actually, or our lives are in direct opposition to who he is. We think about us, me, my, my life, and yet as a church, we work from a unity that's already established. God is this self-giving, loving relationship. We are made in the image of Him, and so we have unity. Now we sang songs about Father, Son, Holy Spirit earlier. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit's involved here somehow. But if we look at Ephesians chapter four, Paul, this guy, uh, is writing to this church, a people of God, in this one city named Ephesus. And Ephesus has its own challenges but he's a prisoner in Rome at the time, and he's urging them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. Selfishness does not produce either of those. Self-centeredness does not produce any of those, either of those. He says with patience, self-centeredness does not produce that, produces anger, What is he calling you to? He's calling you to true life, to be who you actually are as an image bearer of a self-giving, loving God. Eager uh, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Self-centeredness does not produce that. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord. So you see the spirit, The Lord is Jesus, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father all, who is over all and through all and in all. So all the way throughout the scriptures, it's a call to be who you are as an image bearer of a self-giving, loving God. And that's where true life exists. The challenge is, is I don't think about collaborating with other people at all. Because it's about me. And the way that I feel like is best for me and the way to true freedom is to hold on to all of my own stuff. And that's why things need to die. It's getting over this mental hope and emotional uh, uh, mental uh, hump, in this, this emotional hump, right? I need to understand that actually the things I'm holding on to because I think that's true life, I need to let go of because on the other side of death is true life. And true life has to do with relationship and collaboration because you're an image bearer of a self-giving, loving God. This is why your work does not define you. And this is why your failures and your shame do not define you. You are a loved being created by a self-giving, loving God who has given himself to you. That defines you and it defines everybody else in this room, and it actually defines everybody in this city. They too are image bearers. And this is why we live into a different reality. It's called the kingdom reality. Now, I think this idea of collaboration, I'll, I'll just I'll kind of work my way to, to ending here, is, needs to live, be lived out in every facet of life from the church on. It's really easy for us to sit in churches and think, well, yeah, all churches should work together, and yet we don't. But on every level, this idea of collaboration and being who we are needs to be expressed. And so for us, on a global perspective, it's building relationships with with a church like yours, Liberty Church, that hopefully over the years it'll grow and we can collaborate. That's important for our church, it's important for your church. Matt's already connected, you guys are already connected internationally. He's a part of, I'll just call it a tribe. You're a part of a larger tribe within the body of Christ. That's important. It's also important that like on, 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 a, on a relational level with other pastors, I know for our and us and our pastors, we have five congregations in the Portland area. Our pastors, it's very a high priority for us to build relationships with other pastors. We need to work in collaboration. This is really important. We're all one. There's one spirit, one Christ, one Lord, one father, one faith. We need to live in light of a community of people. And I know that's important for Matt and Joe as well. They actually have friends that are pastoring other churches. And that should be expected. It should be an expectation because that's the reality. We have something different. But it has to happen on every level. If it doesn't happen on every level of the church, it's called hypocrisy. Hypocrisy would be expecting other people to do something that you're not doing. Or saying that you you believe something that you're not doing. And so I want to invite you into this space of collaboration on a very personal level as an image bearer of a self-giving, loving God, somebody that's loved deeply. Whatever your background is, that does not change who you are in God's eyes. You are loved. And the shame you feel is not from him. And so to live into this space in one church is really important. It has to be lived out on every level. For our church, we live it out on a multi-congregational level. Uh, I'll just show you how uh, we structure it, and, and, and this is just us, but we have four congregations here that share some resources. All of our finances and HR and all that stuff is shared, and we save money that way, but it keeps us connected. Our theology drives a lot of this but collaboratively we all give 5% of all of the giving to plant other congregations. Now this is maybe an interesting strategy, but it's really a means of collaboration. If we don't structure our values, we lose them. So we connect ourselves intentionally and we're, we're starting our fifth congregation. I'm just telling you that on every level, it's not just global, it's not just with other pastors, on every level we try to structure this value as we do for hospitality and generosity and community. We need to structure it for ourselves. You can say you wanna budget all you want, but if you don't structure it, you don't hold to the value. You need to structure it. And when we do this, we, we, we collaborate with our staff and our lead pastors and, and all those kinds of things. But let me just end with this. Let me just share with you personally what dies in me when I do this. First off, it's a me first mentality dies. I'm a Western citizen, citizen of a Western world, which means I'm a consumer. And every consumer thinks they come first. That manifests in a lot of ways. I gotta take care of myself first before I can, well, what else would a consumer say? Of course. And there's some truth to that, there's some wisdom there. But what dies in me is a me first mentality when I'm collaborating with other people. I can't say, well this is, this, I have to take care of my family first. If I'm a self giving, an image bearer of a self giving God. I'm very careful with my words. Over time, that me first mentality, the I in Amsterdam dies. Not right away, but over time it dies. And I believe that as I step into that space, that God's killing that slowly but surely. And I'm beginning to experience what true life actually looks like. Second thing that dies in me is my sinful desires actually die. When you're living life closely with other people that are trying to understand who God is and what he's done, what ends up happening is, is you're, it's, it's a in built-in accountability. And over time, I'm freed. So my my desires become different because I'm not able to live into them. I'm feeding different desires and I start to experience true life. Thirdly and lastly I would say is that we're careful or I am careful to watch how much I want my voice heard and how much I want to hear other people's opinions. The me first mentality, my voice dies and there's a beauty to that when when I sit there and I my family's been a part of one community for nine years we have suffered that community in our congregation we've been in a part of community for a long time and we've suffered that community and the beauty of that is is things have died in us it's been very hard it's hard to live in community because we live in a self-centered world and I like myself and my needs and my, 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 my. So we've suffered community, but over the long haul, things have died and we've experienced true life. And you're invited into the same space. So here, I'm not sure what your community connection looks like, but I would invite you to not just expect Matt and Joe to build relationships with other churches but that you actually live into the reality of collaborating with other people around you. Things will need to die. You can't consume the community. You'll actually have to give it. You'll have to give community. But that's where you'll experience true life because you're an image bearer of a self-giving God and when you live into that reality, you will experience freedom. I have boil down this collaboration, a kingdom collaboration, here's all I would say. That when we're living life in that sort of community and collaboration, that we're just being witness to God's reign and self-giving love together. This is the church. Whether you're in Amsterdam or Portland, you're invited into a space of which you can be changed and I wanna invite you to that space. The tables speak of that space a self-giving God, the bread and the cup. He's given himself to you and he's invited you to give yourself back to him and to others around you. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, I am grateful um, for your body, your people, all around the world. And I am grateful for your love for us. And that, that frees us from shame and frees us into a life that um, is life-giving. You are a giving God. You are a good God. You have your, our best interest in mind. And so we acknowledge your reign in our lives. We want to live into that reality and we wanna experience your forming of us as your people. We trust that as we honor you and live as, w- under your reign, that you will change us into the likeness of your son. And that you will kill the things that need to be killed so that we can experience true life on the other end. We know that to be true of your son, Jesus. That he died and there was life on the other side. We want to live the resurrected life. And so we accept your invitation. And I pray that we all accept your invitation, one step at a time, towards true life, the abundant life, that goes so against our cultural values but we trust you to guide us and direct us through your Holy Spirit. And it's in this time that we come to you, acknowledging your self-giving love through song, through giving, through the tables. Thank you for these people. And most importantly, thank you for your son who has changed their identity to be your people. We're really grateful, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.